This is Equipping Eve, the podcast that seeks to equip women with fruits of truth from God's Word. In his second letter to the Corinthians, the Apostle Paul wrote, But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. A sincere and pure devotion to Christ begins by being grounded in his word. So let's open our Bibles, ladies, and prepare to feast on the truth God has given us. Well, hello, ladies, and welcome to Equipping Eve. I'm your host, Erin Benziger. We're jumping right back into the Gospel of John. I always say we're jumping, but I guess that's kind of a strange way of looking at it because none of us are jumping on our Bibles, I hope. So we're diving right back in. Why do we use these weird verbs to talk about opening a book, opening the scriptures? We're going to open again to the Gospel of John. There we go. And um, keep walking through this magnificent gospel. We're almost there. We're almost to the end of the book. Today we're going to cover, ladies, chapter 19 and chapter 20 up through verse 29. So that gives you kind of an idea of where we're going. I know I don't always do that, but I'm doing that today, telling you where we are. So here we are. Last time we looked at Jesus' high priestly prayer, and then um, he went with his disciples to the Garden of Gethsemane. He was arrested. He stood before Pilate and um, the Jews and the people cried for Barabbas to be released rather than Jesus. And here we are. Chapter 19, Pilate took Jesus and flogged him. And the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and arrayed him in a purple robe. I hate that. I hate that picture every time I read it in any of the gospel accounts because I just hate that mocking of our Lord. They came up to him saying, Hail, king of the Jews, and struck him with their hands. Pilate went out again and said to them, See, I am bringing him out to you that you may know that I find no, that you may know that I find no guilt in him. Pilate really wants his hands clean of the situation. And we get some more context from some of the other gospels there, but um, at the same time, you know, he's under his own political pressures and he's not a saved man. And he is, of course, working under the sovereignty and providence of God. So Jesus came out, verse 5, wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said to them, Behold the man. When the chief priests and the officers saw him, they cried out, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him. I find no guilt in him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and according to that law he ought to die because he made himself the Son of God. When Pilate heard this statement, he was even more afraid. He entered his headquarters again and said to Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. So Pilate said to him, You will not speak to me? Do you not know that I have authority to release you and authority to crucify you? Jesus answered him, you would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given you from above. Therefore, he who delivered me over to you has the greater sin. From then on, Pilate sought to release him, but the Jews cried out, If you release this man, you are not Caesar's friend. Everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. So when Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judgment seat at a place called the Stone Pavement and in Aramaic, Gabbatha. Now it was the day of preparation of the Passover, about the sixth hour. And he said to the Jews, Behold your king. They cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Shall I crucify your king? 
said Pilate. The chief priest answered him, We have no king but Caesar. So he delivered him over to be crucified. And then, of course, we walk into the story of the crucifixion. So before we jump into that, there's just so much prophecy being fulfilled in this chapter 19 here, and we don't have time to walk through all of those. But that is a study that I would encourage you ladies, if you are looking for kind of a little topical study to do, to just dig in. Look at the um, look at the cross-references in your Bible if you have cross-references. If you don't, pick up a Bible that does. You probably have another one sitting on the shelf. At least if you're in America, you do, I'm sure. And um, see how some of those, some of the events of this chapter cross over and were predicted and prophesied in the Old Testament. The story here of Jesus before Pilate, again, verse 11, Jesus answering him, you would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given you from above. Therefore, he who delivered me over to you has the greater sin. God has authority and sovereign rule over all kings and all earthly rulers. And the reality was that this was the plan from the beginning. And so here's Pilate like, look, I hold your life in my hands. Come on, speak to me. What, what, who are you? Where are you from? And Jesus is saying, no, no. My life is in the hands of the one who gave you the authority that you perceive that you have right now. God will turn the hearts of the rulers. God raises up kings and he deposes them. And as we move on, we see Jesus witness to the people, to the soldiers as he dies, as he suffers and as he dies. You know, we're living in a time where here in America, you know, we're too selfish. We don't want to, I don't want to get political here, so maybe I shouldn't make this comment. We're too selfish to do something that would help other people um, because it makes us uncomfortable for 15 minutes at a time. <clears throat> and we don't want to do that because it, you know, infringes on what we want for ourselves. But here Jesus is hanging on a cross, dying. And what is he doing? What is he doing? He's asking forgiveness for those who are crucifying him. He's looking down at his mother and he's caring for her. And he's saying to her, you know, look, here's John. He is your son. John, this is your mother. Care for her. Love her. Take care of her. What a witness in a time of true suffering. And then we see in verse 31, in that little paragraph, we see the piercing of his side, just confirming that he indeed is dead. We see right there so many places so that the scripture might be fulfilled. Another scripture says they will look on him whom they have pierced. John is telling us, listen, this was fulfilling the scriptures. This was fulfilled prophecy. And then Jesus is buried um, in the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. He and Nicodemus, remember him from chapter 3, come and take the body and bury it. And then we move into chapter 20, um, where we have the resurrection. Verse 1, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They've taken the Lord out of the tomb. We do not know where they have laid him. 
So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. Way to go, John. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. And then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there, and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, by the way, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. And then they went back to their homes. You know, there's great significance in the fact that the head cloth was lying folded up separate from the other cloths. And if we count the letters in these words, we might get a secret message. I'm kidding. If you hear teaching like that, ladies, because I know there's a lot of that around, that that kind of creeps in every now and then, usually happens around Easter. What's the significance of the face cloth? Just, you know, turn that teaching off. That's not, not so good. All right. Um, verse 11, Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. So John and Peter go back home because they're like, okay, I believe, but yet I don't really know what I believe. I don't know what's going on. Mary's standing there. She's mourning. She's weeping. And as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. John and Peter were just in the tomb and the angels didn't appear to them, which I think is kind of fascinating. And yet Mary stoops in and looks in there, and there they are. And they say, woman, why are you weeping? She said, they've taken away my Lord. I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She supposed him to be the gardener and said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. So, I'm not going to belabor this point because I actually want to come back and do another episode on the women at the tomb and their experiences on that first Easter and on the day of Jesus' resurrection. But it is just fascinating to me that Peter and John were both at the tomb. They were inside the tomb. They don't see an angel. They don't see Jesus. Jesus chooses to appear first to Mary here, even though John and Peter, two of the in crowd, right, were right there. And he appears to Mary, and he gives Mary a message for his disciples. I don't want us to lose the significance of that. And then we see Jesus appearing to the disciples when they're all, you know, hiding out in the locked room. Mary's weeping outside the tomb, but the disciples, they're, they're in the locked room. Anyway, moving on. Um, and then Thomas, of course, we have Doubting Thomas. He wasn't there the first time, and he's like, look, I got to see him. I need to put my fingers and his hands and then his side. And Jesus, in his kindness and goodness, says, okay, here we go. Thomas, here I am. Put your hands here in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Verse 28, Thomas says, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. 
that is actually going to roll into our next episode, so stay tuned. So as an endorsement today, I have kind of a silly one. Um, if you are from my era, and oh, we're going to end a little bit early today. I could have probably finished the book, but you'll have to tune in for another episode. Maybe that one will be a little brief as well. Anyway, so for my recommendation, endorsement, equipping Eve endorsement, whatever it's called. Um, if you're from my era, you remember scrunchies. Um, and this is why it's good that this is a show for ladies, because if any guys were listening, they'd be like, seriously, I'm not going to use a scrunchie. But the thing is, I see more and more men with ponytails and I see men wearing headbands and you know I'm no like you know men should have a crew cut and women should all have hair down to their thighs like please no but I just don't feel like that's overly masculine when you're wearing the same headband I am but you know whatever biblical manhood go um Anyway, scrunchies and men, it's, it, you know, if you are tuning in, I'm sorry, you can go buy a scrunchie. Uh, I'm okay with it. Um, just wear it around your wrist. Don't wear it in your hair. So scrunchies were like these pieces of cloth and it's just, you know, a little stretchy for your hair. Um, anyway, they've brought them back, like the old school scrunchies, which are actually better for your hair than the little rubber bands we've been using ever since the 80s and 90s. And I bought some because my hair was never long enough when I was younger, when I was a kid, to use them. And it's longer now, so I can use them. And I purposely bought some that were in neon colors. And I have to say, I'm feeling a little awesome rocking that 80s vibe. So go get yourself some scrunchies if you can. That's my recommendation because we all need a little fun in life. And, you know, it's a cheap way to do that. All right. As a parting thought, ladies, Jesus' kingdom is not of this world. And I want us to stop. We're, we're almost to the end of this gospel. Are we part of that kingdom? And if we are, praise God. How are you sharing the truths of that kingdom, the truths of Jesus, the king of that kingdom, with others? And if we aren't part of that kingdom, that means we're part of the world's kingdom, and we need to be thinking about that because that has very bad long-term ramifications. Okay, ladies, until next time, get in your Bibles, get on your knees, and get equipped. Thanks for listening. Thank you.